guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection <laughs> episode 72 i am thrilled to have you here i'm all in as always like the best jumps in life i am here showing up fully sharing with you to help inspire and boost your mojo for going into the week wherever you are um and I've got an amazing guest with me and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you shortly. I know it's going to do something, granted that you listen with an open mind and we all hear things differently and we'll have to hear different words at different times. And these words, the intention is always that you will be uplifted and challenged in your own way. Um, and I just love it. I love it. Um, so it's been a great week. Radio stuff finalizing book number two which has just been such a ride I tell you change the title like a gazillion times um but I'm loving it and it, it's just having a lot of light bulb moments for me I just get really excited by it and it's quite addictive but I have to be careful because I need to still sleep um and I'm feeling like some nights it kind of creeps in where I'm getting ideas in my dreams again which is when I last year decided I had to get mindful and I booked the course with the mindful enterprise which was a game changer and it was an amazing way to start 2019 and my guest Neil McLean this week is um he's the chief exec of the social enterprise academy they're doing great things based here in Edinburgh um you're gonna love this discussion but I met Neil um when he was on that course um checking out the work that gary does and um trying his best to help because we're both a big believer in mindfulness and we talk about so much this week faith relationships fear what it means to be an amazing leader how to be mindful in the workplace Oh, so much stuff. We, we big up the skills we have as females as well. Thanks for that, Neil, about our emotional intelligence. Very important that we note that because more, we need more female leaders. We need more leaders. We are all leaders, but we just need reminded of that. And um, yeah, I just loved it. I, oh, I was thinking about a, a thought to share this week before we jump in. And the perfect, well, I've, I've got loads, but the one I'm going to go with is the other morning, Hubs was feeling a bit flat he was struggling with his mojo and one thing about us is I really admire his fitness and his ability to get up mountains and and train like a beast and he's just so strong and he would say that mentally and spiritually and emotionally I'm really strong um and (laughs) I was giving him a bit of a pep talk He, he was in a place he was in his head and he was, you know, in a place of fear over faith. And I spent quite a bit of time chatting with him. And then we went out in nature. And then the role reversed. He had to get me up the hill. He was actually pushing me up the hill. And I just remember his words. He was saying, don't stop, Joe. Whatever you do, just don't stop. Put one foot in front of the other. And we'll get to the top. And then it will be easy. And when we got to the top, it was a beautiful morning. And the views were incredible across the city. And I said, I just want to remind you of the words that you gave me when you were helping get me up that hill. You said, don't stop, just keep going. Have faith that you can do this. Don't be, don't listen to the fear in your head that's telling you to slow down, that's telling you you can't do this. Focus on the faith. Have faith in your ability. We are all magic. We are made of stars, literally. You know, if you look at the scientific fact, (laughs) there's evidence to show that the same... um, 
the same stuff that's in stars is, is in us. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and I genuinely believe that we are all stars, shining stars, but we just sometimes need people to shine the light on it, on that for us. People like Neil. Um, and at the end of the day, Scott said to me, he said, you can't, I can't explain how much you've helped me just through your chats. And I said, well, thanks for getting me up that hill. I can't explain how much you helped me earlier, pushing me up and, and encouraging me. We need each other, guys. We're all connected. We come one. And um, I'm just thrilled to share this discussion with you. Enjoy, guys. Wishing you an amazing week. All my love. Mwah. Okay, you're welcome, Neil. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. It's I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Since we met on the Mindful Living course. Is that what it's called, Mindful Living? I think so. Yeah, Mindful Based Living 8-week course at the start of the year, which is flying by. February, March, wasn't it? Yes, that's just crazy. Mm. I just cannot believe we're in October tomorrow. I know. It's bonkers. Um... And yeah, I do you know something I remember about you? Oh dear. Well, apart from the fact you can do a Rubik's Cube and it's like you just take me back to the film, The um, Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, I've got the video footage, folks. Um, but yeah, you said, so we, were, we do this mindful practice and, um, and then we have chats and it's all about compassion and sharing, which is amazing. And you said to me, there's nothing wrong, like selfish isn't always a bad word. But I'd obviously carried that, had this fear of being selfish, so I felt like I had to always mm. be giving. And it was just quite a powerful statement, the way you said it, but it just really hit me. Oh, well, actually, yeah, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite a profound moment for me, so thank you for your soothing wisdom that soothing night. Soothing wisdom, I don't remember that, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I do. That's the thing, We uh, words are so powerful, mm. and we never know... How they land. How they land. And sometimes you just can say something to someone and it really yeah. has an impact in a positive way or yeah. a negative. We've all been there too. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah. Um, but what made you, because obviously you're busy, you're chief at SEC. Yeah. Um, which is quite a lot of pressure, I'm sure. And it's pretty busy, yeah. 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 What made you sign up then for the course? So, I... I've been dabbling with mindfulness for a while. One of our tutors is Martin Stepek, who's very prominent in mindfulness in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to Martin and I could see the benefits of it. We run some mindfulness courses with the leadership courses. Mm -hmm. or Martin delivers some mindfulness as part of the leadership courses we run. Uh -huh. And I remember asking Martin, I said, you know, I find it difficult to get this mindfulness thing becoming part of my normal practice. Mm -hmm. how, how did you, you know, how did you get there? And he said, well, the first four years were the worst. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, goodness, really. Um, so the message was obviously to persevere. And I, I like the idea as well that it's only through the practice that you gain insight rather than an intellectual understanding. Yes. So yeah. that, that was really helpful as well. So um, so I've always been kind of positive about it in the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, but never managed to make it normal practice. Mm -hmm. And then I met... Gary, he'd applied for some funding through the EDGE Fund, which okay. supports individual entrepreneurs. And I'd been asked to come on as a judge for the social enterprise category. Mm -hmm. And because Gary was running or setting up as a social enterprise, I was asked to give him detailed feedback. And I thought the best way to support him would be to go on the course. Ah. So it was a win-win. Do you think he was quite nervous with you there then? I don't think so, no. I mean, it's obviously his area of expertise for his 
social enterprise is mine. So yeah. it was fine, and, and he's doing a great job. I really admire what he's doing and how he's doing it. Um, so he's amazing. He's absolutely. an amazing guy, and I think he's pro- He's a real role model in the sense that you can tell his values and actions are in line. Yeah. Um, just has that calming presence about him, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he's a lovely chap, and I think, as you say, the motivation's completely aligned with the subject so that was a pleasure really enjoyed it and I've managed not brilliantly but I've managed to keep it as part of my practice you've been really good uh, I'm impressed that you you were saying well let's meet up after and encouraging it and, and really because life can get so busy yeah. that it sort of gets pushed to the bottom of the pile yeah it's interesting as well I was very conscious when we run leadership programs which we do for people across Scotland and, and beyond People are always really keen at the end of a programme to keep going with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But almost always it never happens. Yeah. Because courses have a start, a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. And then life takes over. So there's relationships formed and people create one-to-one supportive relationships. But the idea of the group coming together again is hard. Mm-hmm. So I was keen to see if it was possible with the mindfulness group. And so opened up the space in the office which is free of charge so we can just come together as a group and try to do the administration behind it and even then it's still hard so what we've done is as I've been saying to you earlier is try to create that as an open space mm-hmm. and saying that the two or three of us who are committed to doing it weekly yeah. will be there just join us if you can yeah. and have other folk who have done the course pop in and just participate if they want to you know and it's very loose. Because I guess with mindful practice, it, you're training your mind and you're, but as you're saying, it's not something that you can learn from, you know, textbooks. It's actually yeah, practicing it. And absolutely. that's when stuff kind of comes up. Yeah. I think so. I think the thing I loved about the course was the fact that they drop questions in to the mindfulness practice, mm-hmm. which you can do yourself. Yeah. And it reminded me of uh, prayer. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in a, um, a man's a, a religious context. My father was a missionary in India and then a minister in a housing estate in Bradgate. Wow. Um, and the kind of questions you ask of mindfulness are the kind of questions my family would have asked in prayer. And I think there's a great similarity there in terms of, you know, engaging with something beyond, but it's within, you know, so it's a kind of interesting parallel. And, and secular. Yeah, it's true. Because do you still pray or do you? Or no. you? Right, okay. I, I just do mindfulness. Yeah. And I've, I've not been very religious um, in my adult life. Although I've been looking at it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think many of us reject religion as children because we're, we're told about it as children and we think it's a fairy story rather than it being mm-hmm. the metaphor and the abstract some of the analysis in the Bible or of the Bible is fascinating stuff and and timeless Mm. but it's only if you kind of engage with it with an adult eyes I think it can emerge that's an interesting point actually but because I was brought up in the church as well um, and I would say everything I know about love comes from the Bible but I struggle with the label Christian because of all conflict so I would say you know Jesus 
like Christmas, Easter, what we're taught, all of the teachings, that's about love to me. It's mm. not about, but then when you start to put that religion, like that label, it's all, you know, God's jealous. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's not how I see God. Mm. That's not, you know, um, or you feel like you have to fit into this label, you know, must not drink wine or must not have sex before marriage or you know it can get a bit of a yeah dogmatic yeah exactly um but there was a a quote oprah i love <laughs> oprah and she said uh she doesn't believe jesus came to start christianity you know yeah, and it was really interesting to hear uh you know eckhart tolle yeah. and he speaks about how he interprets the bible as a spiritual teacher yeah. and he really goes deep into the passages and things that you wouldn't have thought about, yeah. you know, before. Like the way you see plants and blessed are the poor in spirit for they will see God. So teaching you about how to be humble and things. Yeah. And it's just really interesting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That there's a lot of interesting, you know, insight there that we just ignore because we get head over head with the dogma. Yeah, that's the thing. The fight with the dogma. So I like it's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, but I'm still not religious yet, so... Maybe that'll come. Yeah, I know. Well, we're all on our own journey. Uh, but do you believe we have a soul, or are you unsure? Well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of this stuff is unknowable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea of us being in co-creation with something else while mm-hmm. we're here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too fussed about what happens afterwards. You know, it, it really doesn't bother me in the sense that um, I don't believe it's a pie in the sky when you die, if you've done well here kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I just, just think that the meaty stuff's on, on earth and that hell and heaven are concepts that are present on earth. I agree. I, I talk about that a lot, actually. You can see hell on earth and the negativity. Absolutely. And the mindless, and I think mindful practice really brings that up. And mm-hmm. it made me relate to the Bible passages more, like things like... Um, do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? Mm-hmm. And uh, Mary's just chilling with Jesus, like being the best, like, you know, like having time and being present. Yeah. <laughs> and then Martha's running around. It reminds me a bit of me and my husband sometimes. <laughs> and Mary. Uh, <laughs> and he's running around. Go, come on, come on, let's get the dishes. Let's do this. And I'm like, you're missing the moment. Yeah. Step back. Yeah. I'm still trying to get him to do the mindfulness course. But then mindfulness is also telling me that's ego because I'm not saying I'm, you know, more uh, clued up than he is. I just think we all, you know, certain things you learn and you can see them a different way, oh, you know. Yeah. I find that fascinating. No, it is. It is. And I think it's the idea of taking time and space. And I love the idea they had, the guy talked about in terms of, soothing of the mind and mm. that we've got kind of three modes yes and we very rarely engage self-soothing yeah and give ourselves time and space just to just to be um, yeah that was paul gilbert's uh circle wasn't it the emotional regulation system i know that because i've spoken about it in a few talks okay. since because it's stuck with me so much yeah. and i think if i'm going into busy corporates and i'm speaking to them to be able to have that model there just to explain the way our mind works rather yeah. than just saying take self-care it's yeah it's why we need to do it and yeah. and why by taking it we're more creative and we 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 get better ideas when we tap into that soothing system yeah that, that whole resilience work you know in terms of the science behind it is completely consistent with mindfulness as an approach yeah there's no you know, there's no doubt about it and i think that's the nice thing about it as well. it's accessible as a secular 
engagement with a you know a technical route that mm-hmm. allows folk to see there's some real benefits to it in whatever way you want to measure it. Yeah. Or you can look at it more spiritually. It's just your yeah, choice. Yeah, it's all through our own lens, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. So has it helped you at work? It has. Um, I can probably tell this story. It's a bit controversial, but um, <laughs> I uh, have board meetings on a quarterly basis and normally they're, they're very productive meetings and the board are fantastic because great people around the table. But on this one occasion, um, four months ago, one of my board members, who I got on very well, a good guy, um, started a comment with the phrase, this might sound a bit rude. And I was thinking, see if you know that already. (laughs) (laughs) You can modify what you're going to say. (laughs) But we had a fairly strong discussion and debate about um, something that I hadn't done. And uh, I could feel myself getting triggered. Yeah. And and just a wee bit defensive of it. yeah, triggered is the best word, I think. So I excused myself mid-meeting to go to the bathroom and had a mindful pee. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I went back into the meeting and felt you know, much more chilled to deal with the reality of the conversation, the content rather than the emotion. Um, and it was just a lovely example of just having that wee bit of space mm-hmm. to choose a response. Yeah, um, I love that. And... I've reflected on it since. I don't think how my response was changed, particularly in the sense that I would never be rude or aggressive in a, in a meeting or, or allow it to become confrontational when triggered, but it would cost me more. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the meeting, having been mindful, I was able to say to the board member, look, love what you're saying, love the content, great contribution, but can I just ask you to think about how you're saying it because sometimes it lands a bit trickily. Yeah. Um, and that was easy conversation to have he's taken it on board and he's a good guy and I left the meeting feeling chilled and relaxed rather than you know angsty that's really important because it's that sometimes you feel like oh does it make me a pushover if I really am living mindfully and not reacting and it's that balance between saying well sometimes we do need to give feedback if someone hurts you or you perhaps feel there was a better way of doing something yeah I think it's quite assertive to be able to say mm-hmm. that isn't okay, but I appreciate that. But you know, yeah. so I, I I felt good about the whole exchange and completely respect his right to say whatever. I mean, board meetings need to be, you know, substantial discussions, mm-hmm. and, and I've got no problem with that. It's about how I respond and how I feel and how I engage in that discussion. Yeah, um, and that to me felt like a direct benefit of the mindfulness practice. Yeah. Because would you say there can be ego in boardrooms? Yeah. One of my favourite quotes is actually by a guy called Warren Bennis, leadership management guru guy from America who kind of um, talked a lot about this. And one of his quotes is the most difficult choice in leadership is the choice between ego and integrity. Yeah. And I think we all know when we're speaking from a position of trying to enhance our ego Mm -hmm. or the ego's kind of getting in the way versus the integrity of serving the organisation or serving another purpose. And I think that's a lovely dichotomy. And everyone's got ego. So it's not a case of some people are um, got some haven't. It's the extent to which we allow that to drive our behaviour, I think. It's like ego is a test for all of us. Absolutely. You know, and how we respond to things. Yeah, definitely. 
it's hard. It can be really hard. Definitely. How do you deal with anger and hurt then? Mindful peas. <laughs> mindful peas, yeah. Um, it's the only time I've done a pee with a mindfulness. But, uh, it, it, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I think trying to create some mindful space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, probably not very well is the answer to that question. <laughs> well, we're all learning. We're all a work yeah. in progress, aren't we? Yeah. I find for me, looking back, if I've been triggered, you know, if you're encouraged by other people, like, oh, you've really got a point, or you've been too nice, you should do something, or, yeah. and then that can perhaps spur you on and, and build things, because you think, yeah, yeah, I, I am right, I am right. Yeah. Um, if you thrive off, you know, we can thrive off people and connections, mm. and it's, and tribes, and it's, it can be hard to to really listen to your kind of inner truth and how you should... Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not easy. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I think with my family, I don't have angry exchanges, which is very fortunate. Um, in the work situation, it's very difficult to release that. I mean, you know, it's not ever helpful, I don't think, to... Mm-hmm. appear angry in a work context yeah um, but it's not a bad emotion it's about what do you do with it and mm-hmm. recognising you're feeling it you know I think yeah. it's um, how, you, how you engage in that bit of space that mindfulness gives you I think is very helpful yeah so I'm not saying I don't get angry but I, I, I very very rarely um, display anger I think because it's, it's a, it's a normal very, emotion. Probably, probably not very healthy, is it? No, well, I, no, but I think if you can take that time, you know, before snapping, because we've all seen people or been there where we're snapped. For me, I think about triggers, like alcohol can be a trigger. Right. Because, you know, if someone's having a go at you and you've had a few drinks, Oh, just go away. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it may affect you that way, or it might have the opposite. You'd be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's knowing like what your triggers are, or if you've not had enough sleep, or you've not let off some steam, or if you normally exercise and you're not able to, yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's, that's self awareness, isn't it? It's trying to get time and uh, awareness to know how you're going to, how you're actually feeling. That's what I find quite difficult is to connect with my own feelings and, and um, understand what the feeling is yeah, you get the emotional content but actually understanding what the feeling is and what's causing it yeah. can be quite tricky because it could you could react differently another week Yeah. and then is that a build up of certain things or is it you know so many things it could be yeah no indeed no easiest being human stuff I know but I think <laughs> that's where the mindful practice helps because you're more self aware aren't you yeah you're taking that time to figure stuff out. No, it definitely raises that awareness. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I found really nice in the mindful practice was the idea of compassion for self and mm. others. Mm. So the idea that, you know, it's okay to feel that way and, and being curious about it rather than judgmental about it. Yeah. Which is a nice word. Is that helpful or not helpful? Rather than judging that, yeah. our, our own critical internal voice jumping in to say you know you're an idiot because yeah yeah so the way we tackle it like that's interesting yeah I'm curious about you know 
is that response, is that feeling helpful or not helpful, rather than judging the feeling itself. Yeah. You know, what does it mean? What What's the need that's being served or not served mm-hmm. behind it, etc. And it's hard. Yeah. So. It's hard. So the work you do is amazing. You know, you're helping. You. I, I saw something on your website about how many people had learned through you guys and you work with schools and you also work with organisations and individuals who want to make a positive change. Yeah, so we were set up primarily to support individual individuals who wanted to set up a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who'd set the academy up saw that the courses that were available to help people learn the competencies to run a business mm-hmm. were fairly ubiquitous and fairly well done. Mm-hmm. What wasn't being well done they believed, and we were set up about 15 years ago, and what they thought was missing was the idea of supporting people to develop their leadership practice mm-hmm. and their entrepreneurship practice, right. rather than the theory of those things. So we run programs for adults where we have a practitioner mm-hmm. at the front of the room who's the facilitator, mm-hmm. and they facilitate learning of a peer group who are all stepping forward to set something to affect some social change. Mm-hmm. As it's developed over time, we run these courses and programs for organisations, so middle managers and above, and some frontline folk as well, to, to develop their leadership practice. And as I say, it's, it's this idea of understanding self, creating a safe space where that self-awareness can translate into really a, a place where they can turn up as their best selves mm-hmm. in leadership. Yeah. Um, and one of my favourite quotes, and the, the bit that really binds my drum generally is the idea of transformational learning mm-hmm. so people changing how they see themselves yeah. in relation to their social business so we often hear folks saying they started the course as a manager and yeah. finished it as a leader Love that. and it's not a very Scottish thing to say so we've got a consistent theme of folk coming through who are not necessarily some are some are not but not necessarily academic who are saying I started as a manager and I finished as a leader and they're stepping into that leadership space Rather than managing a project, they're leading change in their community. Mm. And that's a huge difference. And the energy that bounces out the door is fabulous. And we need leaders. Absolutely. And we're all leaders. Everyone's got a leadership role to play. Mm-hmm. And that idea of understanding what it is and what those, how you develop those muscles mm-hmm. rather than just what somebody else's problem. So, right. Yeah. It's funny you say that because in my next book, I, that's one of the quotes I say, you know, whether you like it or not, we are all a leader. Well, We're all an influencer. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's, there's power in that because I think people can perhaps lack confidence to lead or yeah. they carry labels and stories like you can't be a leader, you're not clever enough or you're not, uh, you're too much of a pushover is oh, the one I got. You know, you'll just let people walk all over you, but actually, no. <laughs> yeah. Do have a <laughs> a line. Um, uh, so, so what is an amazing leader to you then? Um, wow, that's interesting. I think we've been really fortunate to have as our chair for a long time. We just retired, actually, Graham Bell, and I think his leadership journey at Kibble, which was a social enterprise in the west of Scotland, is remarkable leadership where he's had that long-term vision in mind and supported the development of an organisation that serves the purpose, which is young people in trouble. And um, I think his leadership's been remarkable. Obviously, in the the kind of famous realms, the the typical ones are Mandela and um, 
Alec Ferguson is often quoted as well. But one of the ones, I, I read a biography not long ago of um, Harry Truman, that was the president in the States at the turn of the, at the end of the Second World War, mm-hmm. who was basically just jumped into the job because the president died, Roosevelt died, and Truman was the uh, vice president by, by default almost. And he found himself at Yalta talking to Churchill and um, Stalin about all sorts. And also <laughs> had the responsibility of dropping the atomic bombs and didn't know about them when he came into office. Mm-hmm. You know, an incredible integrity mm-hmm. and leadership skills in terms of how he navigated these things. So it's a, it's a, it's a big subject. Yeah. And I think we always kind of go for those... Um, stereotypes of amazing leaders yeah. but when we're running the programs that the teachers often ask folk who a, a brilliant leader is in their life both personally and um, famously and often it's somebody's granny mm. you know if you think about the matriarchal figures in our lives going back incredible leadership running families and members of the community etc etc so it's a very personal thing and a very macro thing you know you think it's what's the split in gender because there's a lot now. We need more female leaders. We need well, certainly the the movement towards emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a gross generalisation, but you know, generally speaking, women are more emotionally intelligent and more comfortable in that side of things. Yeah. And certainly, the direction of travel is we all need to be getting more emotionally intelligent in leadership mm-hmm. as we move forward. So I think there's a strong case to make for women being more naturally equipped in some of those leadership yeah. traits that are becoming um, to the fore. Yeah, because emotional intelligence is so important for things like, you know, as you were saying, like meetings and trying to... Deal with people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about that, isn't yeah, it? every time. Um, and the whole command and control structures where you need hierarchy and, you know, strong figures at the top mm-hmm. is, is disappearing. It's, it's, it's no longer enough. It's all about collaboration working together, and that requires emotional intelligence. Yes, yeah, collaboration. It, you know, it's people would say to me, like, why are you working with them? Are they not a competitor? Why are you doing this? And I've never thought like that about no. anyone I meet, you know? Um, and I'm very happy to recommend other motivational speakers and um, authors, and yes. Same here. There needs to be more of this leadership development stuff rather than less. So if someone else is doing it, great. Let's get involved. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're all it's in it. We come one. Yeah, it's not a zero sum game, is it? Yeah, I know. It's not at all. But it's 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 hard because there's always going to be challenges there, and there'll be yeah. a lot of people that aren't mindful. No. You know, they see the world. The world needs to wake up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, an article came round by a clinical psychologist who was talking about the impact on the emotional well-being of young boys being sent to young boys predominantly as it was, to boarding schools like Eton and Harrow and then becoming politicians Mm -hmm. and and the the development um, of their emotional intelligence is somewhat stunted and the idea of, you know, are are the leadership skills required nowadays the same as they were 50 years ago under empire where it's kind of you win or go home, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas there's much more need for that emotional intelligence and engaging and collaboration and compromise so you do worry um, that are, are the folks that are having some of these conversations on our behalf, are they well-equipped emotionally to, to have them? 
So that was the hurdle then that they were taught to win or go home. Essentially, yeah. Mm. So a great sense of entitlement and also emotional stunting almost. So seven or eight year old boys getting sent away, feeling resentful to their mothers for doing it, mothers right. primarily. And stories he told in the article of young boys of seven and eight crawling into bed together for not no sexual reasons, but purely for comfort and um, and for uh, connection. That is quite sad. It makes me think as a mum, you know, like last night I was tired and I, I lit a candle and I got a book and then the kids are, mum, stay with me to sleep. So some nights I do just lie and tell them I love them and uh, cuddle them till they fall asleep because I guess the mindful practice gave me more compassion. It was like, you know, there's this culture where it's like, no, pour the gin, being a mum is so hard, parenting is so hard. Um, And it is hard, but, uh, you know, compassion, like I just think of these little children and how much they do need love and connection. Yeah, and you wonder how, and I don't know that environment, I've never been in it, so it's maybe unfair to judge, but I thought the clinical psychologists position on it seemed very sensible in the sense that and maybe this, presumably these things change over time but mm-hmm. you know youngsters need that mm-hmm. compassion and love I think we all do thrive. yeah yeah true but I guess even more so when you you're discovering who you are yeah I mean we're still probably but you know at those stages you well, don't have developmental isn't it yeah, you go from that kind of magical, like, life's brilliant and the ego's not really there. You're just playing and you're, you're yeah. waiting for your friends and you're embracing life. And then you start to become a bit more aware, like my daughter now, and the ego, oh, should you be dancing, mum? And I'm like, never stop anyone from dancing. I put a video <laughs> out and I had some mum's comment. Oh, my kid does that to me. And uh, But she has been telling uh, bon- um, Charlie since don't stop people singing or dancing, let them be free. <laughs> we'll see if we can keep that. Um, but yeah, you can see when the ego does start to kick in and, you know, it's about how you look and you want to have her hair done in the morning. And but the pressure on young folk, I think, in terms of the social media and, you know, just to be and look at a certain way must be terrible now. Mm, terrified already. For I mean, none of my kids have got phones yet, but... Um, absolutely terrified mm, like I think we need to have things in schools where you know to I, I know mindfulness to help with the social media but even more um, support yeah. for teenagers and people going through it because it just must be so hard to not be able to switch off oh, I know it just seems horrendous and I'm, all these filters and oh, yeah being bullied in your bedroom that's, I mean, that just terrifies me. Yeah, it's horrendous. And so when you think of suicide rates because of this, it mm-hmm. feels a bit urgent. Um, and I know there'll be lots of good things going on. And you guys work with young people too. Yeah, the, the schools programme has been a, a revelation to me. It's not something I was knowledgeable about. But about 10 years ago, Scottish Government asked us to create a programme to raise awareness of the social enterprise um sector I suppose as a destination for employment Mm -hmm. and we decided my predecessor decided uh, that was before my time that we would make an experiential Mm programme of it so it's based on essentially a a social entrepreneur who's done something in their own community talking with the school children and asking or telling them what they've done themselves this is what I did and why this is the social impact it had this is how it felt and then asking the young folk a, a really powerful question which is what do you care about 
Mm-hmm. And in the thousand schools we worked with, there are a tiny number, less than two, of schools where that question hasn't landed, you know, brilliantly, where all young people respond to it very, very well to say, and it has to be insightfully held, but that, that question, what do you care about, being, you know, a 40-minute conversation, not the last thing you saw on TV, not the thing that you're doing a project on, but what do you actually care about in your heart mm-hmm. that you want to do something about? Mm-hmm. And once I've had that conversation, the next question is, okay, if that's what you care about, what business that we could run together here mm-hmm. would best address that issue? Love that. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And so we've seen all sorts of examples. Um, we never, ever suggest a particular issue to talk about. Mm-hmm. That has to be coming from them. So the project is pupil-led, mm-hmm. trading-based, must last for more than a year, and the whole school must have awareness of it. Um, so we've seen uh, young people, young, young girls actually, who were concerned about isolation of their grannies. Aww. So they were 14, and they were running a nail bar in Paisley. And they could have quite easily raised their money with the nail bar, which they ran in the school, and passed it to age concern to do stuff with it to help old people who are isolated. But what they decided to do was buy extra equipment and go and pamper the nails of the women in the old folks' homes oh. in Paisley. So when they came along to the schools awards, we have an annual schools awards, which um, John Swinney's very supportive of generally. He's been great, absolutely super. He gives them the schools an award to reflect their, their projects. When they came along to get their award, they had um, three or four geriatric Oh. Women with them with perfectly done nails and hands. That is so lovely. So we're seeing that time and time again. You wouldn't believe it. Um, another bunch of guys set up a defibrillator and some instruction on how to run that because their their town didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, young people age five and six creating soup for homeless folk. Um, wow. Their school gardens turned into um, allotments. The community came in and helped them. Mm selling soup because they were walking over and past a homeless person and they weren't using the term homeless they were saying he's not got a mummy that's not right we should do something about that so the the, the whole sense of agency mm-hmm. that young people develop in that conversation that says you know what do you care about mm-hmm. what can we do about it both very very open powerful questions mm-hmm. and we've seen you know thousands of young folk um, emerge grow in confidence grow their leadership and know that you can use a business approach to address social issues. Yeah. It's stunning. That is actually amazing, and it is inspiring when you see that, isn't it? It is. No, you, again, if you, yeah. I think sometimes, you know, running a business can be quite um, hard work, mm-hmm. and if ever I need to get batteries recharged, I go along to the last day of a leadership course for adults, or go and listen to a school doing, doing their stuff. Because it's just inspiring. And to be associated with that and involved with it is a privilege. I love that. And it's that idea, you know, that life isn't meant to be easy. And when we can feel those pain points and then get our inspiration. Yeah. I'd said to my mum and dad, I said, so what would you guys want to do looking back over your career? And my dad lost his eyesight when he was 19. So he said he'd like to work with people who were visually impaired. Wow. It's obviously his massive pain point. And then my mum said, she was a teacher, she said she would like to do something that helped people, but with less paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so, I feel tell it how it is, uh, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, she did. She gave up work for fifteen years, so she she was great at home. Uh, so she certainly did a lot. She helped us, and I was quite a naughty child, apparently. Ah, <laughs> she used to read me this book called My Naughty Little Sister, and I just thought she was so fun. This girl, yeah. she was just so naughty. So I just kind of copied her for a few years. Oh yeah. I've got the book upstairs. I'm a bit scared to read it tonight. <laughs> Oh, can mother you do that <laughs> what can you do? Um, so how long have you been with the Enterprise then, the Academy? So, um, I actually went on the first leadership course the Academy ran. Wow. Um, so my background was in IT, an uh-huh. IT business in the South East, and then quit smoking. And obviously, having grown up in a mine, so I felt there was a, a need to do something that was values-based. Yeah. So I wondered if there was a possibility of combining my business knowledge with quitting smoking services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to my business partners and said, I think the future's in smoking cessation. And they said, yours might be. <laughs> We're an IT business. So I was on my own in that one. But uh, ultimately they brought me out and I came back to Scotland and did a, an MBA to push the idea of running a business to help people quit smoking through mm-hmm. it. And then stumbled across the social enterprise model. And went in the first leadership course and then was asked to go on the board of the academy early days. Yeah. Um, so it's been going for 15 years. I've been involved for 14 years. And for 12 of those years, I've been chief exec. Wow. And do you love it? I do I love what it does, you know. I think um, the impact and the, the being associated with and contributing to the purpose, I think, is, is brilliant. And we meet people so often who say it's been game-changing for me, both in terms of work, but also at home, mm-hmm. that, that idea. And I just think there's not enough spaces in the world just now, like the mindfulness space, like mm-hmm. the leadership courses, where folk have got a safe place to reflect on who they are, what they stand for, what their purpose is, what's hard, what's, you know, who are they, mm-hmm. and how to grow and develop and thrive. You know, that to me is something that we threw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of the religious space, yeah. where, where there was a place once a week that you would come together, pray, reflect, be with other folk, mm-hmm. um, have the cup of tea afterwards, etc. Mm-hmm. We don't do that anymore. So It's sad, isn't it? Why do you think that is? I think because of the dogma. Um, yeah. And also, the something about each generation wants to create its own answers. Mm. So there's been a real move away. Some of the more evangelical churches are thriving and growing. Yeah. But the traditional ones are really struggling, which is sad. That is essential. Um, I've been going there. It's in Toll Cross. An amazing forward thinking. Yeah. Like they've got podcasts. <laughs> but um, just really inspirational to see the, st- and the, the speakers and the, the work they do with, you know, uh, there was a guy speaking about slavery and how they mm. were helping people, kids that were captured yeah, and yeah. fisheries and stuff. And you just see so much good and you see that's what, you know, the Bible is. It's love. It's not about, yeah. you know, labelling people. And as yeah, you're saying, judging. the judgment is probably what does put a lot of people off. And it's a shame because it shouldn't be that way. No, it's, it's hard to know. Um, but I just think when I see, you know, my son's generation, he's 23 now, or just about to be turned 23, I don't see that they have got a space that they use in that way and mm-hmm. um, maybe as they get older they will I don't know but I'm, I'm curious about that and uh, I think mindfulness 
leadership development creates that space mm-hmm. and people are people you know I think responding well to those kind of questions about who are you what's your purpose mm-hmm. um, what do you care about those are powerful questions very powerful um, like powerful stuff and we shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations because no. it's not about the surface level stuff no and it's, it's about being human the human condition yeah you know yeah. it's funny as my, my dad gets older he's 81 now I was asking him recently about that whole um, the, the same question you asked your dad you know would you have done the same thing and he said he would but he reckons he'd be involved in social enterprise now in a way that the church attracted him then uh-huh. because it was the place where social change was happening yeah in the 50s yeah whereas now social change is happening through social economy um, and that type of work where it's got energy mm-hmm. but he, he's as he gets older saying that he believes more and more in less and less he believes more and more in less and less break that down for me so he believes more and more strongly uh-huh. in less and less things uh-huh. so the the religious dogma the the some of the stories whether or not Mary's a virgin is academic to him mm-hmm. you know it's, it's, that isn't central to the to the teaching exactly yeah. if you like so it's about rather than and I, I always think when these debates happen on religion it's always focused on whether or not this could be true or that could be true or this isn't possible Jesus couldn't have raised for it it's kind of like it's missing the point yeah usually by a country mile um and that conversation more about the lessons and the teachings of, I suppose, that context in relation to our lives now, you know. And yeah, because we have to adapt with the times yeah. and, and a lot of this doesn't come from here, like overthinking in the mind and yeah. trying to use our logic to prove yeah. things and get so scientific and bogged down by the data and the details. Exactly. Or it takes away from the magic. Although it's, it's interesting... Have you listened to Sam Harris at all? No. So he's a very um, famous neuroscientist from the States who's written a lot of books on atheism. Yeah. Um, and he's a very famous atheist, I suppose. But he often gets involved in conversation with religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And he's completely against religion and the Bible because of its lack of accuracy in terms of those physics and stuff. Yet... He's a big fan of mindfulness and spirituality. Wow. Yeah, so it's a, it's a strange kind of dichotomy, but a really interesting guy and has some really very respectful conversations with people who don't agree with atheism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the, where the future is, is in having dialogue yeah. so it can cast light for both folk mm-hmm. on, on both sides of the equation, which I think both are needed. Yeah, know? and it's less, it's really less now. Aye, and I don't think there's one right answer. Yeah, no. well, and everyone's got such a personal lens and, and whatever, because it's okay yeah. for me, you know, I've been raised in the church, I've been raised in yeah. a loving home, right? I've not been, you know, I can't get in the lens of someone else that's saying to me, this Absolutely. is all too positive for me, you have no idea what I went through. Yeah. And all, all I could say was, I pray for you and I'll send you positive vibes and I hope that you are happier now and I hope that you, you know, have a, yeah. a fulfilling life, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because you can, you know, there was a guy speaking at the church and he said, one of them's quite hardcore, he was like going out and speaking around town. And I'm like, you know, those kind of people get quite scared by, you know, coming up to you and saying, this is, this is the way and stuff. But he said that 
So one of it was the guy that was speaking at the church who went with the guy who's like all like not scared at all. Oh, like yeah. God is yeah. And he went with him and he said he was really nervous and he was breaking it. But they met this guy who was quite a cool chap and um he just broke down and said his life was a mess and that they just completed the love and like they prayed with them and his life was changed. So when you hear stuff like that, yeah. I mean, the world is crying out for love. And I think it, it's your, what your intention is as well. Like yeah. if your intention is, is good and that's what I loved about Gary, you know, his intention is really, really good. Yeah. And we, we meet, we're surrounded by good forces in the world. Yeah. But then there's a lot of negative too. So it's just trying to, use your intuition as well yeah um and that can be hard i think that's what struck us with the school stuff because as i say with with one exception literally school children respond positively to that question mm-hmm. and the idea of agency mm-hmm. you know is so powerful yeah that um yeah maybe we're, we're teaching them cynicism other stuff i don't know do you think well i've certainly not got it at those stages that in it's maybe appealing to the positive side of human nature, uh-huh. but certainly that's what we've seen time and time again. Kids just responding really positively. Mm. It's quite cool. That is really, and we need more of this. So it's really, I really appreciate you kind of sharing this because not at all. We're looking for support, and we've got a magazine with a, we've got a sponsorship from Big Issue. Amazing. So. Every year in March, we'll have a school special edition where they have the school children writing the story of what they've done and why. Wow. And the big issue will be um, printing it. The school children will then sell the magazine to, for, to raise funds for their own social enterprise and they'll publicise the, the stories. So. Oh, wonderful. Well, anything I can do to help with that? And Thank you very if much. anyone's listening and they'd like to get involved, where's the best place for them to contact you? On the website. So there's um, details of socialenterprise.academy mm-hmm. um, and there's contact details there for both the school stuff and the adult stuff. So thank you. Amazing. And I'll put a blog out as well um, on jojo.com. And um, no, amazing. Really inspirational. Thank so you. thank you for taking time out of your busy. Schedule, schedule to be yeah. mindful <laughs> and uh, I always ask at the end a song that oh really inspires you or makes you feel good like the mojo <laughs> um, that's quite a tricky one it always changes over time so I tend to look at a song and then listen to it to death and then get fed up with it Yeah. and uh, there's a lovely singer I was introduced to recently called Grace Carter mm-hmm. um, and she's got a lovely song called Silhouette okay if you can find that that's cool Can and what is it you love about it I think just the voice and the tune um, it's not very inspirational in terms of it's a, it's a pop song she's uh-huh. a young girl 21 who's written a pop song that's really lovely and she's got a lovely voice so it's just um, got into my head lovely well, let's get that on. What were you going to say? Were you asking if you could sing? I'm saying I can't sing it, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. And um, it's been amazing to have you. So. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank Enjoyed you so it. much. I, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was enlightening. It was inspirational. It was real. It was raw. That's what we're all about here. So I love that. Silhouette Grace Carter lovely lyrics to this song guys I would check it out
heart is burning with jealousy You lit the flame, you blinded me You let me smolder, then pulled me out You stepped right on me, you left no doubt All you've done, I deserve some peace I'm on my knees There's a fire in your eyes when you're holding a cigarette But you don't hold me, you don't hold me told me you didn't want me you should have told me you didn't want me you should have told me you didn't want me your heart down under my belief you're in my chest and it's hard to breathe it's like addiction is all i know i'm just so used to not letting go after all you've done i deserve some peace i'm on my knees there's a Hold me, people blowing smoke to your face to a silhouette. You should have told me you didn't want me. You should have told me you didn't want me. You should have told me. Oh, those are great lyrics as well. And the tones to her voice, guys, that's a lovely tune to put on your playlist. Another big reason I do this is to give us all inspiration because I believe we don't listen to music as much and it really helps us. It's a gift that we have at our disposal each and every day so that when we're feeling really, really low, um, we can get lifted through it and the talents of all these amazing artists out there and if we're feeling really happy you know we can we can take it up a notch too and we can we can dance that's what we're here to do we're made to move we're made to dance and sing and I love all the songs I get to recommend through my guests with their incredible taste each week um, so add that one to your playlist guys and thank you again for being here I think you're all awesome Mwah.